0: it Dreaming about a premiership cup We love our clubs But they never win Two flags in 100 years That shit house Charlie, the Bulldogs have got two flags now
1: That was two years ago, mate, get over it
0: If you think we'll be inside
1: forever or just will be researched We're here to say that's not the case, we'll just go out and wing it, we are Two Guys, One Cup.
0: It is Thursday the 28th of June, welcome
1: to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson and we just uh, had a little bit of technical difficulty before we, we got started today. Not unusual for the many podcasts we do, but we'll describe the problem. Well, we're on Skype because even though we're in the same
0: country, we still haven't done an episode of this podcast this year where we've been in the yeah. same room. And, uh, <laughs> we're in two different cities. We're using the, uh, world famous 63rd in the world Australian internet. That might not be right, but it's around there. And, uh, we're on Skype. You know, that's how we, we look at each other and see who's going to talk. And, uh, I, I Skype has changed. And I don't like it, man. I'm like, you've changed Skype and I don't like mm. the new you. I'm having issues with the new Skype in the same way as the AFL laws have led to the rolling mall. You know, it feels like I don't understand, you know, this new Skype system and I pushed the wrong button and you disappeared. And then I kept pushing buttons and eventually
1: I just had to hang up. Is it a bit like, you know how Nick Revolt a couple of weeks ago, uh, he made an observation about the new, the current crop of St Kilda players that they're not really used to sort of like hard feedback like back in the day things were much simpler you just knew where you stood like a Ross Lyon or a Grant Thomas would let you know where you stood but now it's all like intuitive namby pamby Skype and so we don't really know where we are so what we need is some old school Skype some some hard feedback on how to bloody do this show
0: we've got to send Skype to some sort of pre-season camp We've got to get, yeah. you know, we've got to play, like, you know, the the theme music from other, uh, you know, internet devices where people could, like... FaceTime. Yeah, from FaceTime, face the FaceTime. We just play the <laughs> FaceTime theme to Skype over and over again. We take traumatic moments from Skype's past and confront <laughs> Skype with those traumatic moments to see how Skype reacts. Turns out, spoilers, going to be really terribly.
1: <laughs> how was that press conference? Was that, like... That was, gri- that was That that was was the most gripping half an hour of television I think I've seen from anything all year. Better than your Game of Thrones, better than your Breaking Bads, better than anything.
0: Well, you know what it felt like? It was interesting to me that it coincided with the same week as the finale of Westworld because that's what right. it felt to me. It felt like the Adelaide Crows preseason camp has been this confusing story that you know <laughs> is all going to come together at some stage. But, you know, you're having to... Like, you're like, I, I know there was this camp... And I know something happened. Maybe they played some theme music. I think that's important. I think there was some trouble with the Indigenous players. And then you've seen all these stories. You've seen like some people, you know, coming out with really dodgy stories. You've been, Some people going, no, it was the best thing that ever happened in my life. It's taught me how to be a man. And you didn't know who was telling the truth and what thread was true. And then they've had like the season finale where they've come out and kind of cleared up some of the mysteries.
1: But left as many mysteries as there was before for the next season. I was watching, I can't remember what game it was on the weekend, but they showed that press conference at halftime and they dissected it. And it was uh, Brad Johnson and Dermy on the couch. And when they came back to Dermy and Brad, Nerely's like, so, you know, what do you guys think of that? And Dermy and Brad both looked at each other and were like, why have a press conference? Like, there's no need to do that. Like, in the 20 years that, you know, we were playing footy, we did lots of stupid, bloody leading team-style kind of leadership initiatives. Like, you don't fess up to, like, the ones that went badly. Like, you do, tons of dumb stuff. And Dermy's gone, I remember one, like, preseason camp where we held Johnny Platten underwater, under muddy water for about 20 seconds. We brought him up just so he could catch his breath, and then we shoved his hand out of the water again. And you know what? We won the premiership that year. You wouldn't tell anyone about it, but we won the flag. <laughs> yeah, this is like—I mean—Dermy is just
0: like, look at me. I've learnt no lessons. I've had so much direct feedback, and yet look—yet like, I look like I've modelled myself on Ric Flair. Like, clearly, you can just ignore the feedback and move on with the rest of your life. You don't think that people gave Jason Dunstall some feedback about being aloof or eating too much? Somebody didn't say, hey, hey, you might be a better footballer if you didn't roll up a pizza and eat it like it was a souvlaki. He got that feedback, and you know what he did? He bloody ignored it
1: and kept eating pizzas like souvlaki. That's what you do. Hey, Chief, here's something you shouldn't do. You shouldn't eat raw dim sims in a spa. (laughs) Right.
0: Hey, here's, here's some 360 feedback for you, Dermy. Um, your hair's too blonde and your fashion's too weird. Well, you know what I did when people told me that? I got through out my peroxide and I dyed my hair even blonder and I put on a gold, uh, gold cashmere suit and I drove my motorcycle into a nightclub. That's how you deal with feedback.
1: If it wasn't for Dermy, Jeans West would be out of business.
0: Yeah, exactly. I propped up Jeans West for three years. I only went to Collingwood
1: to pay off my jeans Westbilt. God, the, the Dermy era, like, if you had to pick, like, one player, just say you could pick Wayne Carey for six years or Dermy for his, like, Wayne Carey's best six years, not his Adelaide career, not his Anthony Stevens, but his best six years, or Dermy for his entire career, who would you choose?
0: What's my goal or end objective? To win flags. Kerry. Kerry, yeah. I mean, Kerry was the... At his best, he was... He was the king. Yeah, he was the king. And even today... If he was a player with the range of skills that Wayne Carey had, if like if another player came along and kind of was an exact clone of Wayne Carey, he would still be the best player in the AFL today. Like, you know, he had, he had skills that would have easily adapted to and dominated today's game as much as the game that he played. I reckon Dermy, Dermy would be a toss of a coin whether Dermy could have adapted the way that he played to the modern day game.
1: Well, you'd you could almost see Carey being a midfielder. He would be like that prototypical Josh Kennedy, six foot four midfielder these days, because he had the skills, he had the tank, all that kind of stuff. Whereas Dermy was human battering ram, skillful, but a human battering ram.
0: Yeah, I think that like Ollie Wines is about the same size as uh, Wayne Carey was. So that's what he is. Funny, that but, true? Yeah. But
1: does, does Ollie Wines look short because he's so
0: wide? <laughs> He's wide. He's probably wide. He, he's like real heavy. Like for a Everything about him is He's like wide, 100 though. kilos or something for a fucking midfielder.
1: Yeah, how do you move carrying that much weight? How do you move at speed carrying that much weight when you're that wide? Yeah,
0: well, maybe it's one of those things where he goes, it takes me a minute to get going, but fucking once I do, don't get in my way. <laughs> I've got momentum.
1: It's funny, I was watching a bit of the Port game, and uh, I get... I realised I, there's a few players at port that I get confused for no apparent reason. Like there's a couple of, there's, there's a couple of greys, so that confuses me. But I get the wines, the greys, and the Ebits. They're all kind of in the same category for me for some reason. You know, it's like people get like Bill Paxton and, and Bill Pullman confused. I totally get that. But then there's some other actors that you get confused for each other. Like, you know, I always confuse, like, Alan Rickman and Jeremy Irons for some reason. I feel like Port Adelaide, that group of players could all be the same player for me. Or Charlie Dixon and uh, the Hoff. Like, they seem like the same player. Yeah, no, I
0: absolutely agree with you. It's like they got two of everyone. Like, they were yes, down exactly. the shop, so they were like... They, essentially, they bought players in the same way as, like, I shop for clothes. Like, yeah. if I find one I like, I get, like, a spare like a backup, you know, all my stuff ends up looking the same. That's what they're like. They're like, I'll have two of those, two guys with, two big blokes with beards and we'll have two kind of, two greys. Now they don't need to be brothers, just the same last name. But if they could look like they could be brothers to confuse people, that'd be really perfect. (laughs) Hey, I've looked up Ollie Wines' statistics. Yeah, right. So he's 190 centimetres, which means he's what, six foot
1: uh, three or something. Three, six, three, uh, six, four. How much? 190. 190 centimetres. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe it's six, two, six, three. Right. That's and
0: big. he was, uh, and hang on, aren't you
1: six, aren't you six, three? How, what are you in centimetres? Do you know I that?
0: reckon I'm 189 or 190. And that's, right. I'm six foot two and a half. So that's what I was guessing six. Oh, three. right. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and his weight, 99 kilograms is what he's <laughs> listed <of> at, <that>, right? <laughs> oh, now I'm going to look up Wayne Carey weight and height and see uh if how it compares. Wines Carey. Uh so Wayne Carey okay, here we go. This is great. Uh what do you, how tall do you think Wayne Carey was? Uh I'd say he was like six three. Yeah, so he's one ninety two. So he's got Okay. He's got two centimetres on Ollie Wines, Wayne Carey. But yeah, so not a lot, right? No. Um Weight at playing weight. What was his playing weight? Wayne <laughs> Carey. If Ollie Wines like, is 99, uh, what was Wayne Carey? 90. 97. Oh, shit. They're almost yeah. identical. So Ollie Wines is actually technically at least bigger, thicker, heavier than Wayne Carey was. And he plays, yeah, in
1: the middle. Yeah. Yeah, no, you could definitely, you could definitely see Wayne Carey. I mean, he didn't, is, would he be the greatest in half forward of all time? Uh, well, of, of the times that I saw people
0: play uh, football. Yeah, I'm I don't just trying know. to
1: think. Like, I mean, who'd you put up there? John O'Brown, Nick Revolt, in our era. I mean, I know, you know, we never saw like John I mean, Coleman or Chris Grant.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Chris um, Grant, really? Does oh, he shut get a mention in I know the greatest that you, of all time? I know that you say that, but he could have won two Brownlows, should have won two <laughs> Brownlows. Actually, won a brown Brownlow. Won one Brownlow but was suspended and came second in another one where he should have got the three votes. He should have won two Brownlows. He played 300 games. Chris Grant deserves to be in that conversation.
1: I guess. I mean, <laughs> What do you yeah, need to do sure. to get
0: in that conversation?
1: Uh, I don't know. It's kind of like, look, you're a Bulldogs fan. You have a completely different uh, view of these things. But my outsider impression of Chris Grant was he was – Dependable. He was Mr. Reliable. You know what I mean? Like, but it's not exciting. Like, Wayne Carey could just, like, in a blitz, just turn a game on its head. John O'Brown does the same thing. Runs back with a flight of the ball. Nick Revolt with his inspirational, desperate lunges and his non-stop running. But what was the defining characteristic of Chris Grant?
0: Well, you know what? You could rely on Chris Grant. Like, he was just good all the time. Boring! Every week he was good. And he could play on... Okay, here we go. I've um uh, got up Chris Grant's uh, Wikipedia page, so I'm going to
1: have a... And his little... name is boring too. Like, it's two first names. There's nothing exciting about it. There's nothing unique about it. Like, well, I can't maybe... even, like Jonathan Brown, you can short to Jono Brown. Like, it's got a ring to it. But Chris Grant, sounds like your accountant. I mean, there is a reason that he went
0: into sort of football, you know, because he's... Uh, I mean, I, he's the he's way up at the Bulldogs. Like, I don't know what his exact title is, but he's one of the real uh, boss people there.
1: Um, nobody really <laughs> the wanted real the real <laughs> boss people. <laughs> you talk like someone who's just learned English.
0: Well, the funniest thing of all is, I, I was like, oh, I should look up what his actual title at the Bulldogs is. And then I realized I'd already looked up the Chris Grant Wikipedia page. So if I just (laughs) scroll down, I will probably find out. I already had the information at hand to answer my own question. But let's uh let's have a wander through this and revisit the the career of Chris Grant. Uh Christopher, full name, Christopher Uh Lee is his middle name. L E E, simple way. Yeah. Uh Christopher Lee Grant uh, born thirteenth of December, 1972. Um, all right. Uh, he was born in Dalesford, Victoria. Very groovy now, Dalesford. You know, he is could on some. Yeah. Dalesford yeah, right. is like the place that people go from Melbourne as a sort of weekend getaway. Right. And it's full of like right. wellness.
1: Chock right, full yeah. of wellness. So it's like, Chris Grant could it's have like gone the-
0: back to Dalesford and opened some sort of wellness studio. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like this. It's it's like the Southern States version of Byron Bay. You can't afford Sydney. Yeah, totally. You go to Byron. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Well, you have a weekend at Dalesford at some sort of spa. Uh, Grant was recruited by the Footscray Football Club in the uh, nineteen eighty eight VFL draft. Okay, at pick what? Now this is back in the days when, obviously, you know they don't have the yeah recruiting skills they have these days. But Chris Grant, who um. Was a superstar of the Bulldogs, uh, one of the best players of all time, Chris Grant, uh, Hall of Famer for sure. Um, what number did he go in the draft?
1: Oh, uh, it was it was late. Am I right? It's like a, can I can I guess a round? Was he yeah, like a I, I'd well,
0: say... no, because it doesn't say the
1: round. Um, okay, but I'll uh, say I, he went. What's I'll the number? Say he went in the fifties. Uh, uh, higher. Oh shit, seventies. Higher. No way. Uh, 90s? Higher. Fuck off. I thought didn't they didn't go as high as 100. Where did he go? 105. Uh, that's, a, that's going to be one of the biggest bargain pickups of all time.
0: Uh, he had the most votes in the 97 Brownlee medal, but was ineligible and came second uh, in one year as well. He Two Charles Sutton medals, uh, All-Australian three times, uh, captain for five years, Uh, Hall of Fame inducted 2012. So, yeah, yeah, he's an absolute legend to the Bulldogs. 330 games. Bulldogs record. Yeah. And most famously, which I love is on his Wikipedia page, near the the end of 1996, Grant was offered a huge amount of money to move to Port Adelaide. But one factor changed his mind. A little boy... Ryan Adams, who ended up becoming an American old country singer, sent him a letter with the attached 20 cent coin saying it was all he had and that Grant could keep it if he stayed with the Western Bulldogs.
1: Come on. 341 games, 18 seasons. <laughs> you, know I, you know what I'd love if something came out later is, yeah, like he stood because, but, That kid, he said, yeah, she'll do that. But when you turn 18, I'm going to garnish your wage for the rest of your life, like for my lost income. So that kid from the age of 18 has been working three or four jobs to pay off Chris Grant's contract that he turned down at Port.
0: Yeah, Chris Grant just knocked on his door one day going, now, that was all you had then. But I've noticed you got a lot of nice stuff now. Two cars (laughs) in the driveway. A lot of expensive-looking art on these walls. All I'm saying is I stayed, and here is how much money I missed out on. It feels like you're doing
1: very well. Oh, enjoying Barricade for the Bulldogs still. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of reminds me. I worked on a a show once where uh, one of the stars of the show – did this interview where he made a very sort of public declaration that he'd taken a huge pay cut to, you know, to ensure that this show kept on the air. And we read that and we're like, Oh, that's good on it. Good on him. You know, thanks for that. And then we found out later that he actually had that money that he lost with that contract negotiation supplemented by the network. He got a different deal to come in and like cover in that money that he was losing on contract. So he actually was not giving up any money, but he wanted to do that press release to let people know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, Bless him, yeah. <laughs> bless him or her, or bless him or her. Sorry, <laughs> yes, <laughs> whoever this person may have been, bless him and or her, or you know what, use yes. whichever bathroom you want. That's yeah. all I'm saying. It may have been a puppet. It may have been aggro. Oh, imagine that. Yeah, <laughs> aggro is like they're shutting down the. Or you know who it might have been. Maybe that's what? why Aussie Ostrich left. <laughs> hey hey, at something. <laughs> Contract dispute.
1: <laughs> Two guys, one cup, with the uh, most up-to-date cultural references, like Aussie, Aussie Street." Did you uh, catch your beloved Bulldogs on the weekend? I did. I uh,
0: forced myself to watch. Because I. How did uh, you feel? Well, what I, I re- resisted.
1: I resisted texting you. I loved it. I mean, as a neutral observer, it was a fucking cracking game. It was so entertaining. Well, here's what you might uh, people might not expect to hear me say.
0: I also loved it. I absolutely loved it. And here's why I loved it. We're not going to make the finals, but the thing you want to see, and we've talked about this before, right? When your team is down, you just want to see them have a crack. And you want yeah. to see some of that, like those you know, shoots of like, oh yeah, these people could be good footballers. And there was a bunch of that. They had a real decent crack. They could have been further mm-hmm. in front. Um, Norton and, uh you yeah, know, even I thought Shacky showed a few things and just a few players where Gowers. you're like, well, yeah, if this is going to be you know, a team that rebuilds into something bigger and better than what it is. Like, we can't go back to, you know, what it was. It's got to be about that kind of next era. Is there enough sort of exciting green shoots of this next era that when you put back in McCrae and you put back in Easternwood and, you know, these guys start to play all the time, then, yeah, it was, I thought it was exciting. And I like North Melbourne, you know, like I'm, here's what I was thinking about after this game was, it was almost the perfect result. Because my team Mm. had a real crack and they could have won. But us winning is absolutely fucking useless to us at this point. Like, I don't want to see us get beaten badly, but my ideal season for the rest of the season would be a string, an unprecedented streak of narrow losses, of valiant narrow losses with half our team in. If we could be playing all these kids and getting close enough but not fucking up our draw and our draft picks and stuff like that, so like the complete opposite of tanking, which is like, mm. you know, playing to our absolute capacity and just being not quite good enough. That's ideal. But more than that, it would have fucked up North's year. And North isn't the sort of team whose year I want to fuck up. There would have been yeah. other teams where I've been like, you know what? There's not much in the Bulldogs for this year, but at least we fucked up their year. And you'd be happy <laughs> about that. You know, that will give you joy. Yeah. But I would have got no joy out of us fucking up North
1: Melbourne's year. I was like, this is a good result. I'm happy for how this turned out. And so when you see, like, Sean Higgins just, like, carving it up, do you have the same attitude as, like, an ex that you're happy for? You're like, well, good. You're happy for him, yeah. Because he was pretty amazing. Like, in that last quarter, he was, like, the difference.
0: And he'd been, you know, kind of, they'd gone after him pretty hard early on. And um I thought they were going to get to him. It felt like early on he was, you know, throwing thrown around a few elbows and stuff as well. And you were like, oh, don't get flustered. You know, like, um but he was a star. He is a star. He's like, he's all Australian for sure. But he's got to be like, I mean, there's a fucking chance that if North continue to play this well, that Sean Higgins might win, win the fucking Brownlow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And what about their $5 million offer to Dugowie? Do you reckon he de goes or he de stays? I mean, I'm sure someone you work with may have had an opinion on this during the week. Um here's what I would think is I think that it
0: would be weird for North Melbourne to put that sort of money in front of someone who is as untested as Jordan Goey. Like, unless what they've identified, they've done like a, you know, look at their list and they're like, you know, the one thing we're really missing is a bit of a, like, you know, an X factor. That's why they went after Dustin Martin. What they've decided Mm. they need at North Melbourne is a bit of a bad boy. You know, someone who has that sort of, like, you know, risk attached to them because that's what they need. Then, sure, okay, maybe you get him, right? But it doesn't feel like he... Like, he's played a month, six weeks of good footy. Like, I just don't think that it's good for your list to pay someone a million dollars over that (laughs) long... (laughs) Look who's talking, Mr. $6 million to a number one draft pick. Well, I don't think that North Melbourne are in the desperate situation the Bulldogs were at the time. I get the idea that if you're down to your last few dollars, like essentially what the Bulldogs did was like they lost their job so they bought a better car in the hope that like (laughs) the idea that people would see them driving around in the better car and think that everything was okay. That's what the Bulldogs did, (laughs) right? (laughs) But North aren't there. North are doing well. They're rebuilding well by themselves. I just don't see... the. I keep that money and give it to, you know, Higgins when he has to renegotiate. Give it to Ben Brown. Give it ben to Brown. all these guys that, you know, deserve... Jared,
1: Jared, Jared Waite's surgeon. Yeah, give it... To, I mean,
0: give it to Jared Waite when he signs another contract at 41. <laughs> like... No, Jared... Jared's Jared... <laughs>
1: I mean, I reckon I feel like Collingwood are going to hang on to to go eat. And I was thinking about it, and it's like, is there another club besides Collingwood that has a better track record of having play, a player who is equal part brilliant and equal part dickhead? Like, if you look back at Collingwood's history of retaining brilliant dickheads, like you got like a Dane Swan, like an Alan Didac, like they really have a good ability to to. Ha- to, I guess you're a big enough club that they can handle that. Like a smaller club might be like, oh, we're getting nervous. We need to offload this dude. It's too much trouble. But Collingwood's like, you know what? Big dickhead, big talent. We'll hang on to it.
0: Yeah. Like Sydney had a no dickheads policy and Collingwood always seems to have had an open door for dickheads policy. <laughs> if you're a dickhead, <laughs> well, no, there's a place for you in Collingwood.
1: It's, it's got to be a dickhead combined with a lot of talent. Like even Sydney, if you were a very talented bit of dickhead, they're going to move you on. But at Collingwood, it's like, are you a dickhead? Yes. Are you a dickhead as talented? Yes. You can stay. No, get out.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it's, it's, this is why it's almost like reverse land at the moment. It's like topsy turvy world. It's George yeah. Costanza's doing everything backwards, sort of, because co- talented dickheads don't leave Collingwood. Talented dickheads are recruited to Collingwood when other people <laughs> get frustrated with them. What are they?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess, like, Frio have tried to do that with Harley Bennell. but it's like, nah, nah, Harley should have gone to Collingwood. I mean, that is the club to go to if you're a talented dickhead. Well, I mean, I think Ross Lyon's a bit more like,
0: he doesn't... It's almost like Ross Lyon will recruit a dickhead who's never going to play. You know, we're... He <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. only like- got
1: half the formula right.
0: <laughs> right, he's just like, I'll recruit someone who's not going to play. Oh, and then they won't play. Oh. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. No, there was another bit to it. I, I should have <laughs> written the whole thing down.
1: <laughs> hey, we got contacted during the week. Well, I got contacted on our behalf uh-huh. um, twice. They contacted us, uh, contacted me on Facebook, and then uh, via Twitter. It's the BBC in London, and they said, "Hi, Charlie. Um, I produce a national radio show in England." Uh, called the BBC Johnny Lealson Show. We've got two standing presenters tonight, one of whom doesn't understand football, well, one who understands football and one who willfully doesn't. So we thought it'd be nice to get one or both of you guys on to chat about your podcast. I understand the time difference is going to be extremely tricky time-wise, so send me a message, and if you think it's doable, we'll try and figure something out. Thank you. And I was like, Hi, um, you know our football uh, podcast is about Australian rules football, right? <laughs> no answer. <laughs>
0: So,
1: I think they just thought, they just did a no, quick Google search. No, well, here's search. the thing.
0: I can tell, what? I can give you a bit more further information oh. about this. Uh, yes. Which is, because somebody tweeted me during the week, a link to a World Cup uh, football dickheads podcast, which is called Two Guys, One World Cup. Ah, right. That so got us confused. Clearly some people have come up with, uh, you know, a hilarious title for their podcast and it's similar to ours. And then this BBC producer has confused those two things and emailed us. Not
1: even a response though.
0: Yeah. Cause you moved on. When you're working at the BBC, mate, you don't have time to get back to dickheads. It can't help you. <laughs> She's like, I don't I will never need this contact. She just wrote back, so, "BBC, see you later." <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, what else in football news? What else? Get, get, bring me something. Put something on the table, Will.
0: Well, what I haven't seen, um, uh, Nat Fife. I'm Bob, but Bob Murphy has oh, a show no. now, and a lot of people yeah. have been uh, messaging me about the fact that Nat Fife might be the new Bob that maybe there's a side to Nat Fife that's all sort of kind of spiritual and, you know, oneness and, you know, he's a deep thinker about football. And, you know, maybe maybe I judged him too quickly on those glasses. Maybe those glasses are a sign of the the real Nat Fife, the intellectual Nat Fife, you know. Maybe he only uses the helicopter because he wants to get to the library more quickly.
1: I never... I've never, like, thought of Nat Fife as uh, as being shallow. Like, I think he he strikes me as a kind of guy who's very intelligent. He just strikes me as an overachiever. In the same way that, like, Chris Judd, you know, when Chris Judd did his knee and, you know, had to sort of say goodbye to the fans on the stretcher and stuff, I wasn't too upset for him because I'm like, this dude will be fine. Like, Chris Judd seems to have the acumen to whatever he applies his mind to, he'll be fine. Like, I'm not worried about what he does after football. And I feel like, Football is just one of many things that Nat Five has going on in his life right now. It wouldn't surprise me if he was very well read or if he was a deep thinker. I mean, it makes a lot of sense why he doesn't know his teammates' names. <laughs> like, he's got, an- he's got enough shit to think about. He's got a real estate portfolio. He's got helicopter training. He's got all this kind of shit going on. He doesn't have time to remember like the first or third year players' names. Right, so I've uh, just clicked on uh, Nat Fife here on,
0: uh, and I just thought, oh, good, this is perfect. So there's an yeah. article that has been written um, off to kind of promote the Bob uh, interview. So it's going to have a little, uh, you know, a few things, a few nuggets mm-hmm. in here. Uh, so um, right. Fremantle champion Nat Fife has revealed he finds watching football... Complete the sentence. What does Nat Fife reveal that he finds watching football... Blank. Gives him a hard on? Uh that is a great answer, but actually boring is his is the correct answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh the Brownlow medalist. Uh <clears throat> oh, I find it quite boring, Fife said to Bob Murphy. Over a piece of piece of toast and a cup of tea in his Perth home. Ah, oh, we've got to watch this. We get to see his Perth home. I would love oh, to yeah. see
1: where Nat Five lives. Uh, can you, like, I imagine again? I posted a photo during the week of Hansel from Zoolander and Nat Five. I imagine in Nat Five's house it's like a reconditioned warehouse. There's a half pipe in there. There's a couple of Sherpas making flat bread. There's a couple of like models like on a couch somewhere, or maybe lounging by a pool. Yeah, you know he's I mean? actually Hansel-
0: he's got a hyperbaric
1: chamber, but it's also a yurt. Yeah, <laughs> he answers the door, like, shirtless, just wearing fisherman pants. Instead of going into the steam room, he
0: actually goes into one of those uh, Native American <laughs> sweat tents. He yeah. goes on a vision
1: quest. I imagine when you go to Nat Files Place, he offers you a wheatgrass shot when you right. walk in. <laughs>
0: uh, you have to take your shoes off so you can feel the lawn that he's had installed in his living room <laughs> on your feet.
1: Yeah. Yeah, when you go into his kitchen, he actually has a tree growing in his kitchen and he'll just climb up it and get some fresh fruit.
0: <laughs> yeah. He climbs up barefoot. He just scales yeah. it like a monkey. And then what he does is he charmingly hangs upside down from his legs and dangles down some fruit
1: that he's freshly picked yeah. from the tree. As a reporter sits down to interview him and they're sipping tea, he reveals that he's like, laced it with ayahuasca so they can get real, man. <laughs> I think our version of net five i'm gonna be disappointed by hearing about the real Nat Five, but go on well uh
0: it's it's too long he says okay um I'd rather watch on Foxtel on mute pause and rewind stoppages and different intricacies. I'd look ah. for
1: stuff and little signs of what players are doing right so he's like he's like in every kind of like action film you know when they bring someone out of retirement and i'll take him into the control room and he'll analyze like the cctv footage and he'll be like stop enhance and then he notices the one thing in the corner that no one else does like he's like well they're putting up a block here to your rover that's the problem (laughs) we need to run a counterplay on the other side of the ruckman I like to think that he has a room at his house that
0: is much like one of those control rooms from those TV shows. And so he just stands in the middle of the room and then screens just appear on each different side (laughs) and he can just like touch the screens and like little things come out of the screen.
1: Yeah, it's like Minority Report. He just starts like moving around holographic screens.
0: (laughs) That's what the glasses actually activate. He puts on the glasses and sort of lasers shit out all the screens in front of him uh okay here we go um murphy scoffed at stoppages as a form of entertainment uh Fremantle's talismanic captain oh gee that's
1: a big uh, Talismatic.
0: Talismatic. is uh, this
1: bob's words or the the
0: the journalist's words no the journalist's words um i'm gonna see who the journalist is he's dropped in talismanic tom morris tom morris he's an yeah. coming young journalist tom fox morris. footies doing oh, a, doing actually a very good job there is a there is definitely a rising brigade Tom Brown who does our show and sam landsberger and there's like yeah. there's, this, there's this new kind of like you know kind of brat pack of like competing oh, young man. journalists it's
1: it's very turn it up kind of brat pack though isn't it like when you listen to the fox footy podcast, <laughs> how much ribbing and turn it up is there and <laughs> references to private schools and
0: Uh, um, All right, here we go. Uh, Murphy scoffed, and uh, this is what Nat 5 says. That's where the game is won and lost.
1: So he loves stoppages. Uh, I mean, that sounds like a midfielder who vaguely understands there are other positions on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's a dude who's used to picking up 30 touches a game and kicking four or five from outside 50. It's like, well, no, there are other positions, mate. Some would argue the defence is where the game is won or lost.
0: You know what this is? This is just a dude who's dominating the way it is right now, who's just like, yeah. I, I could probably dominate it if it was played a different way, but why change a winning formula? Like, they're playing it like this, and I'm the best at it. So, yeah, I'm fine with this. This is fine um uh we're not saving the world he declares at one point uh they branched out beyond football touching on his childhood listening to talkback radio and the meaning of his existence as a footballer uh the 26 year old concedes he would arrive at the club in a grumpy mood most mornings until a few seasons ago um oh here we go current sydney swans assistant uh, brett kirk Uh, gave Fife a morning routine which would prove to be the secret catalyst behind his 2015 Brownlow medal winning season.
1: Famous, famous Buddhist Brett Kirk.
0: Yeah, so there you go. This is very fucking uh, Zoolander. Hansel. (laughs) Like, Brett Kirk would definitely hang out with Hansel from Zoolander. Um, As a leader and star player, Kirk urged Fife to achieve something before each day began. Oh, okay. There yeah. you go, Charlie.
1: Yeah, because, well, I meditate every day, Will, and one of the things you do with the meditation is you you set yourself, uh, what do you want to achieve from this? How will this benefit not yourself but other people? So you set yourself a goal with the meditation. What is the thing you're holding in your mind that you will take into the day? Oh, okay. All right, nice. Remember the
0: other players' names. Remember... <laughs> <laughs> um all right uh it started a couple of years ago as a three-week trial because i wasn't a morning person oh that surprises me a little i would have thought that nat five was a morning person um i'd roll into footy at 8 a.m with bed hair grumpy and not acknowledge anyone for an hour until i found my rhythm brett kirk wow. yeah brett kirk was the one that made me a bit aware of it you have to neutralize your energy constantly if you want to be a leader around this joint. Kirk was like a big human mirror getting me to look back at myself. Oh, handsome. Oh, You're so me. wise. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, should, you should listen to Brett Kirk. He's a cool guy. He's a cool guy. <laughs> it's like a human mirror. <laughs> Uh, the solution was simple. Uh. Fife would swim in freezing cold water every morning of the working week. The challenge was initially three weeks of 6am beach sessions. You can look at it from lots of different angles. Some people start the day with a cold shower or the beach, say you achieve something. The first thing that you do in a day is an achievement, so the rest comes easy. There are elements of that. Um... Murphy was quick to remark Fife was delving into the deep philosophical world of existentialism. But the um umballer continued, It's what I do, and it's ritualized in what I do, that without it, I can lose some guidance in my day. What's the first thing I do if I don't do that?
1: (sighs) Holy shit man there is no spoon (laughs) all time exists at once no wonder
0: he's so good at football he's mastered the fact that the thing that the ball that he's about to pick up he's already actually picked up and it's all happening at once
1: so the idea is that he sets himself the task of a 6 a.m swim because that gives him some certainty going forward you achieve that you have achieved something everything else takes care of itself is that the idea Uh, yeah i've already done something today I've had my
0: swim, right? Now I can get on with the rest of the things in my day knowing that I've already done... Like It's like when they say when you write make a list at the top of your list so that when you finish writing your list you can cross off make a list and it already feels like you have some momentum. I imagine Nathan Buckley before he tore up his lists and burnt them in that ceremony that he had. Oh, you know what I'm hearing here? Fife to Collingwood. I just feel Uh... like Nathan Buckley and Nat Fife have had a very similar sort of awakening... And the, the, Same the,
1: spiritual journey,
0: right? You know, he, he so how want to do to be around how a you, guy like Ross Lyon? Ross Lyon
1: isn't into the things that Nat Fife's into. You know who he is? Yeah. Fucking Nathan Buckley. Well, now he is. But how do you reconcile Collingwood's uh, recruiting policy of brilliant dickheads? <laughs> wow, well, I mean, might might be a new direction for Collingwood. So
0: here we go. Um, it's a tough place to walk into some mornings, particularly as an introvert into the robustness of a football club where
1: people are ready to chirp you. Yes. Hang on. So is this the same introvert who was photographed shirtless wearing his brown line?
0: <laughs> yeah, the same introvert who was wearing $9,000 worth of clothes to his tribunal hearing.
1: That introvert. The same introvert who was on the cover of Men's Health magazine?
0: Yeah. That's the introvert we're talking about. The guy with <laughs> yeah. the uniquely distinctive haircut that makes him stand out from everybody else who arrives to training in a helicopter. You know, that introvert. <laughs> old introverty yeah. McVerty. Yeah. So it turns out that uh, sometimes at a football club, people are ready to chirp you, come at I you. I love that. Yeah.
1: Chirp. What an old school Aussie saying. That's awesome, you bloody chirper.
0: We were just chirping
1: it. him. We're a couple of bloody chirpers. We're the problem, chirpers, Charlie. Mate. We're the problem. Yeah, we he's are
0: ter- talking about. Ooh. He's climbing two guys,
1: to- one chirp. <laughs> exactly.
0: He's trying to <laughs> climb Everest, and we're just a dirty chirper. Yeah. Um. So, uh, here we go. Uh, ready to chirp you? Come at you, or pat you on the back, or ask you to do something. So that gives me an insight, right? He he leads with the you know the defensiveness, like you know. He's worried that other people are going to chirp him and come at him. Or he's worried that, what about the opposite? If they pat me on the back, and then he thinks that when someone pats you on the back, the next thing they're going to do is ask
1: you for a favor.
0: That's the world that he... No wonder that he is feeling so introverted.
1: Yeah, man. Paul, I'm starting to feel sorry for him. He's like the the, the boy in the ivory tower. Exactly, yeah. Uh, If you're not ready for that, it can be
0: hard work. I'm an introvert. Oh, oh, this is awesome. I'm an introvert, yeah. but can be an augmented
1: extrovert if what? I have to be. <laughs> <laughs> augmented extrovert was also the name of my high school band. Yeah, my favorite Radiohead album. Yeah.
0: I, uh, <laughs> like, uh, I mean, but I get it, right? He's saying that his natural position is that he's like a, yeah. He's shy. An introvert. He's, he's shy.
1: Nat, he's not nat, he's nat shy
0: Right, and I relate to that. This is kind of...
1: You know what I'm seeing in Nat Fife now, Charlie? I'm seeing me. I'm seeing this... So are you saying Nat Fife is holding up the mirror with which you can observe yourself?
0: Oh, my God! And the only thing (laughs) I can see in the mirror is Brett Kirk, who's also (laughs) in the room for some reason, (laughs) with another mirror. (laughs) Uh, So maybe those trappings, you know, the helicopter and the hair and those sort of things, that's him putting
1: on the costume of being, you know, Nat Fife augmented extrovert. Well, Will, I mean, is Batman Bruce Wayne or Batman? What is his true identity? When he's playing Bruce Wayne, is he playing at being what he thinks a human being is like? And he's truly Batman or is Batman the mask?
0: Right. It's that scene from uh, The Dark Knight Rises where uh, Catwoman Anne Hathaway actually says to him, who are you pretending to be? And he says, billionaire Bruce Wayne. And you're like, yeah, that is who he's pretending to be. Because he's really fucking Batman. Nat Fife is Nat Man. (laughs) That's what his house is. It's the Nat Cave. (laughs) The Nat Cave. (laughs) Um, All right. Uh, So he's an augmented extrovert. Oh, we're running out of stuff. This is the last bit. Uh, Among a variety of talking points, Fife joked about an on-field sledge he had recently received. A player has gone, all right, so somebody's chipped him. A player chipped, chirped, chirped, chirped him, sorry, chirped him. A player has gone. mate, stop being such an individual. Uh, I chuckled to myself, and only myself, I did not share that joke with my teammates. Uh, I chuckled to myself and said,
1: come on." Get to it. It's got to be good now,
0: Charlie.
1: Charlie. Okay. Uh, I'm
0: going to give you the setup, and I'm going to get you to guess, and then I'll tell you okay. what it is. But I, amazing. A player has gone, mate. Stop being such an individual. And Nat yeah. Five has chuckled to himself and said in return to that,
1: "What? I'm an individual. You can't fool me. <laughs> an into bloody vigil."
0: He said, that's one of the great compliments you could ever give me.
1: Ah, uh, Nat Fife at peace with himself.
0: Right, because he's an individual, because he's looked at himself in the mirror. And ironically, in seeing another him, he realized that he was actually an individual.
1: And when he looks in the mirror, <laughs> he realizes he's actually Brett Kirk. <laughs> he's been incepted.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I, I I can't wait to see that because I'm already just fascinated on the journey that Nat Five has taken us on.
1: Well, speaking of uh, player interviews and and revealing interesting, uh, interesting revelations about uh, especially chirpers, I actually read an interview with Mason Cox this week. Uh, Mason Cox, whose uh, Twitter handle is Mason610Cox, <laughs> he uh, wrote this article. Or at least he had assistance writing this article, which is all about his transition to uh, Aussie rules. But there's one section that I actually thought was interesting, which is uh, under the heading culture shocks. Mason says, people always ask if it was a culture shock coming here. And honestly, a little bit, but not a massive one. You can keep up with what's happening in the States. And obviously, Donald Trump is a massive news story now. It's been interesting because when you don't live in America, you don't really think about how people in other countries see you or even care about their opinions. Having almost a third person's perspective of America from Australia, just how crazy things are, the gun laws and other stuff, it just opens your eyes to a few things in the States that you mightn't agree with. Whereas before, you just accepted that that's the way it was. Here, there's some different little terminologies that people use. I used to call people buddy a lot. I'd say, how you going, buddy? Well, what are you up to, buddy? And I realised that apparently some people take this as a negative. It's a bit condescending. But never thought of it like that. So now I've changed it to mate. Now I sound like a true Aussie, Yeah, <laughs> which, is, he, which is just He's dreadful. gone so
0: far that he actually calls Lance Franklin, mate Franklin.
1: <laughs> In Aussie culture, I found that it is normal that everyone puts each other down. Everyone talks crap on each other. And at first I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> these people are so rude to each other. <laughs> and then you learn that's a bit of a joke. That's just how people are.
0: Yeah, well, we can afford to be because everyone doesn't have a gun. you got to be a little yeah, politer exactly. about what you
1: say to strangers in America. They might shoot you. Um, now, uh, I've had a bit of an update on a discussion we had Oh, by the uh, way, we need to oh, yeah?
0: mention a little Mason Cox thing while we're on Mason Cox. Oh, I yeah. Didn't uh, so he... Got in himself in a little bit of trouble this week. It was just, it was one of those things that got blown out of proportion a little bit. But, um, mm. uh, Daisy Thomas was getting into Mason Cox in the game on Sunday. And, uh, oh, uh, yeah, I it,
1: read about this. And what did he say to him?
0: Well, it, it turns out, it, well, he was just getting into him or whatever. But the thing was, after the game, uh, somebody, uh, somebody went up to Mason Cox and said, uh, hey, uh, D- Daisy was giving you a hard time today. And, Mason Cox was like, who's Daisy? And they're like, Daisy, the guy, he goes, oh, I just kept calling him number 39 because I didn't know who he was. And like, you forget because you're like, that guy was like a legend of the Collingwood Football Club. That's Daisy Thomas. Yeah. like, but Norm Smith medalist, wasn't he? But Daisy hasn't done anything in the last, in the time Mason Cox has been here. Daisy Thomas is just kind of – the only time he's ever really been in the news was when everyone was like, he's been paid too much. But now he's just kind of like – he does his job and he's it's fine. But why would you know who Daisy was? You wouldn't necessarily know. And people have got mad at Mason Cox. They're like, he should know the history of the Collingwood. I'm like, mate, he's full-time learning how to play a new game. He also has (laughs) to like become a historian on the (laughs) history of the Collingwood fucking football club at the same time. I don't think so.
1: It's kind of like when I started on Home and Away and I was working with a bunch of these very young actors and they would talk about Nicolas Cage as being like that joke, that guy does all those straight to video films with a bad hairpiece and I'm like, you know Nicolas Cage won an Oscar, Nicolas Cage is one of the most exciting actors of his generation. They didn't know that. They only know straight the video Nicholas Cage. National Treasure and two Nicholas Cage.
0: Yeah, but that is it. And like I mean, even that home and away example, right? Like when you went to you know be on Live in Summer Bay, you didn't have to sit down and read three thousand fucking backstory scripts so that if somebody one day came up to you and asked you some storyline about Bobby, that you'd be able to go, Oh yeah, I mean, what happened to Bobby that day at the fucking <laughs> like you don't need to know that. You're not expected no. to
1: Uh, We've had some correspondence in relation to last week's ep where we talked about do players from different clubs live together. Uh, Sarah Black got in contact and said to us, hey guys, in regards to players from other clubs living together, the Phillips brothers, Collingwood's Tom and St Kilda's Ed still live at home together. Uh, the two went to the park for kick to kick, uh, the, uh, to for kick to kick the morning of the match where they were actually due to play and then they ended up lining up directly on each other on the wing. So I guess I was wrong. You thought that players did live together. Someone also let us know that, um, uh, Sherrod Wellingham and Buddy Franklin used to share a place before Sherrod moved to w- uh, WA.
0: Yeah. So it, I mean, I don't think it's a very common thing, but, you know, I was aware that it had happened. Um, another thing that was interesting was, uh, last night, um, the Outer Sanctum podcast, which is an excellent, uh, Mm -hmm. podcast. Uh, they did their first ever live show and, uh, I was their guest on the show and it was a really brilliant night. The podcast is going to be really fun when it comes out and the audience loved it, but I happened to be sitting, uh, right near, Uh, Annie, uh, Unkenny Annie, is her blog. Uh, People can uh, follow her stuff on Instagram. And she's Liam Pickens' uh, partner, wife, I Mm. assume, but I don't absolutely know. And she's a really... Fascinating and interesting person in her own right. She, um, you know, uh, publishes a lot of, you yeah, know, really interesting takes on the world of AFL and, you know, more generally the world. And yeah, she's a really fascinating person. And uh, she happened to be sitting, you know, behind me at the show and we were, you know, yeah, saying hello. And I was asking her about Liam's concussion. And, you know, we were talking around the huge range of issues, um, you know, around that and the you know, ramifications of being a father and having to deal with concussion. and. Yeah, all these sort of things. But then, Charlie, we stopped having that civilised, mature, mm. educated conversation and got onto something that was actually really important to talk about, which was Liam's sock washing habits. Okay, good. So, uh, here is the updated information I have uh, based on that, which is uh, that uh, Liam is uh, meant to be responsible for washing his during the week socks, but his game day socks are washed and provided uh, by and for the club that's how it works Sorry. so say again so so during the week socks training yeah. socks yeah. you know any of those sort of socks i assume even like because we've never even really considered this before but now that i think about training it, yeah training but not just training charlie see the more we think about this the deeper it goes you got your yeah. training socks but you've also got your dressed up for a You know, for a player's function, you know, like, you know. Oh, come on. The club's not supplying those dress socks, surely. Well, Charlie, I'm not, I don't have an opinion one (laughs) way or the other. I'm just asking the question. I now want to know on my list, does the club supply you some black socks to wear at the Postmax or is that, because i would supply you the jacket, they're supplying you the tie and the shirt, right? Are they? Yes. You don't have to go and get, they don't all rock up in like, mismatching white shirt, surely. No,
1: no. But you'd, be, you'd bring it from home. I imagine when you start at the club, you get given your blazer and your tie and, and you know, you, then you have to go out and get yourself a dress shirt and your own bloody socks. It's oh, like, like school. school uniform. Yeah. You
0: just get a list of things from the club and then you have to go to some shop, to the AFL shop in the city. And buy <laughs> the stuff.
1: I would imagine so. Like I, I, I would think that, because how often are you going to have like a, a, a function after a game? Not that often. So I imagine that you would just you would have your your blazer and your tire hanging in the in the cupboard and if you knew you had a like a, a dinner or something after a match you'd just take it to the game with you. I don't know oh, how many shit.
0: you have during a year, but like I reckon you're gonna have during a year you might have like, let's say you've got
1: ten. Half a dozen.
0: Yeah, okay, okay half a dozen. Somewhere between half a dozen and ten times. I reckon the club, again, I'd like to know what the answer to this is. But I think that they need to have standard blazers, ties, shirts and pants. And so I think all of those would be provided by the club.
1: Yeah. Well, look, Ben Clark uh, has got in touch with us. He's got some information uh, regarding Port Adelaide's system of sock providing and cleaning. He says, hello, Will and Charlie, after recently going on a weekend trip in a group including a currently listed Port Adelaide player. I spent most of the day trying to work out how I could inquire about the subject of socks without sounding like a deranged creep.
0: <laughs>
1: After the discussion with this player began, I subtly mentioned the podcast and the need for mine and the nation's curiosity to be satisfied. The player, who shall remain anonymous for his own protection, was all too happy to divulge the club's practices. He has two pairs of socks that he keeps for every week. He washes them himself even during away games. Yes, the dirty socks go straight in his bag. If he wishes, though, the club will provide players with new socks to every game. So I guess that's like the Usher clause. You need new socks every game. Right. Or Fev. But, <laughs>
0: but he chooses. This is what I like. So, yeah, it comes down to individual player choice. So within the system... Well, he,
1: he, is, he continues. Yeah, go on. He said... uh like Ruffy mentioned about Hawthorne players, certain players are quite superstitious with socks having to go on a particular foot. Uh, they're worried if they lose them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, considering that half your toeflop content is on food, he also commented on my vegetarian meal and said most modern players are slowly switching to a plant-based diet with very little meat. I'll keep up the investigation. Uh, I'll keep up the investigations for the questions the AFL fans are dying to know. Love, Ben. Interesting.
0: Yeah. It is, I think I think maybe what we're seeing here is the changing face of football as well. Like the, the, the they cater to individual needs when it comes to you know some people are washing their own socks, and they're not enforcing the idea that like you know they're trusting the players who want to wash their own socks to wash
1: their own socks. We've got a whisper from the west, good of Sydney. <laughs> I Don't <laughs> do. know if it still counts. Hey fellas, whisper from the west. I'm a GWS fan your story about players living together. I don't know if GWS and Swans players live together. However, there is a sandwich shop near my work, and I regularly see Giants players, specifically Stefan Coniglio and Jonathan Patton, enjoying lunch and sandwiches there with Swans players, including Daniel Hanabry. As a Giants fan, I was shocked to see it once, but I've seen it multiple times since, and it's alarming given how close the sandwich shop is to the SCG And the Giants fans are always there with the Swans players. Sorry, the Giants players are there with Swans players.
0: Yeah, well, that's, that's less about it being close to the SCG and more about the SCG being close to stuff that's good. Yeah. You know, like, essentially the GWS players have gone towards where the good stuff is and away from, like, where they're meant to be. You know, I mean, it's not the SCG could be in Parramatta. They'd still be hanging out in the, you know, Moore Park District 10
1: minutes from the beach. <laughs> Do you want some sockgate conspiracy news? Yep, absolutely. Edward James says, Hello. I have a bit of sockgate conspiracy. I've noticed the sharp decline of players who wear their socks up in the modern game. Patrick Dangerfield, Jack Darling, Lewis Taylor, Sean Burgoyne, and many Ruckman to keep his shin pads in, just to name a few. Even Nick Revolt, who went from high to low socks in his twilight. But I noticed a few years ago, Richmond's Shane Edwards styles his socks in such a way that they appear to be fully black with no yellow. On the weekend, whilst watching the Lions vs. GWS match, I noticed the GWS socks are mid-calf height and cannot be pulled to the knee. Further investigation shows that this is a league-wide thing, with Geelong even during Heritage Round not having socks that went higher than mid-calf. No wonder Dangerfield has issues getting the Just Think Orange socks on, probably because they don't make ones big enough for him. Is it a fashion thing or a functional thing? Because socks fall down due to running. And he's attached a collage, obviously taken off his TV, of all the different players with their half-pulled socks. And I've got to be honest, Will, this is something that I've not noticed before. They look They don't go all the way to the knee. They go halfway up like a normal athletic sock, like a tennis sock, if you will. I hadn't really noticed it,
0: but now that it's been pointed out, I can see nothing but it, and I don't like it. it. It might be what's wrong with the modern game. I think we're worrying about all the wrong things. I think, you know, zones. You know what we literally have to do? We just have to get players to pull their fucking socks up, to wear long <laughs> socks again and pull their fucking socks up. I don't like it. I don't like the half sock. It's like, what's next? Are people going to wear those like socks that you can't tell you're wearing socks inside their boots, those little anklet socks? So it looks like they're wearing no socks.
1: I don't like it. <laughs> Matthew Shaw got in contact. He said, I was at a baby shower the other day and I got a whisper in the winds. An ex Essendon retired in the last two years or so, played for them for 10 years. He was there and I was speaking to his wife and I asked her what the sock situation was at Windy Hill. She said that she used to wash his socks, but some of the club washed his shorts and Guernseys. Mm, interesting. Uh, Interesting.
0: I got the locks changed at my house today. And um, uh, so I had a locksmith in uh, for an hour or so. And I was having a bit of a chat to him. And uh, it turns out that one of the most recent jobs that he did was James Hurd's house after James Hurd's car was stolen.
1: Oh, dear. Yeah. Do you have any insight on that?
0: I felt like it wasn't a polite to pry. And secondly, I, I didn't like the idea that what if he told me? I don't like the idea of some dude changing my locks who's willing to give out confidential information about James Hurt. So I assume yeah. that he wouldn't have said anything. I assume there's some sort of locksmith's oath that they take. Because, <laughs> 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 I mean, you could break into anyone's house whenever you fucking wanted. You're a locksmith, right? So there's got to be some sort of code. There's got to be some sort of, like, you don't do that if you're a locksmith. Because otherwise locksmiths would be maybe the best burglars because they can just like break in. Anyway, this is probably not content for this podcast. <laughs> it's weird that even I have drawn a line in the bullshit. Um, I will tell you this when it comes to uh, outfits though. Um, at this podcast last night, Peggy O'Neill, the Richmond president, oh, yeah. came down with the Premiership Cup, uh, which was pretty exciting. Did she really? Yeah. She can
1: just take it out of the club. Wow, She's the president.
0: She can do what she likes, I guess.
1: Did she have security like, or did she just bring it in on her own?
0: Uh there was another person there kind of mining the cup. White white gloves holding wearing white. No, gloves. white no and they weren't precious about Just it. Just fingerprints like, all over it. Oh yeah, they were fine. She and she was even like at once they someone made some comment about being careful with the carpet. She was like ah nah. Like like it's seen some action. Like essentially <laughs> yeah. it's fine. Yeah, you know what? They make like, them sturdy. I'm not
1: going to I'm not going to steal silverware from anywhere that Dustin Martin knows about. You know what I mean? Like you don't want Dustin Martin's friends looking for you for some stolen property.
0: <laughs> also, I just imagine when you're putting together like the design for the Premiership Cup, you understand that it's it's you know like you have fine china, but you're not going to yeah. use your fine china every fucking night, or it's just going to break and chip and all those sort of things. They know the Premiership Cup; it's for it's for fucking enjoying. So you've got to build it sturdy, you know. They probably get Toyota, you know, the main sponsors of the AFL down and get them some of that, you know, Hilux technology. <laughs> and they're just like, we need to take this thing off road. Um, so she was wearing a pair of uh, Puma shoes that are Richmond shoes mm. that they brought out. And the laces had all the names of the players from the premiership team written on the laces. So she could lace her shoes with the premiership team. And there was a set of laces that have the um, lyrics to the theme song that you could buy. And you can lace your shoes with like laces with the lyrics. Which to the theme song. version
1: of the, of the theme song, risking head and shin or risking head and skin?
0: I did not ask that question, but now in retrospect, I realize I wasted every moment I talked to her <laughs> because I, I, it didn't even occur to me. And now I'm haunted by the fact I could have asked and
1: now I will never know. Uh, we've got one last letter here from Harry Foote. Just heard of the latest ep where you're wondering about the players' routines after a game. We were down in Launceston watching the Hawks-Frey game a couple of years back. The siren sounded and the players went down in the rooms. Fans were allowed to have a kick on the ground afterwards, so we stayed there for about 15 to 20 minutes. When we were leaving, we saw Poppy walking away as fast as he could with his hoodie drawn and his Beats headphones on. He went back to the hotel by himself without looking back. Now, I assume for them to know this, they must have followed him followed pretty him. much the entire way. Because we way.
0: followed him. No wonder he yeah. you look back, he was it's running the- from people he thought were going to mug him.
1: Yeah. Uh, this would have been about 25 minutes after the final siren. He did not want to stick around. And then I saw him at the airport afterwards as well, eating a hot dog on his own. But that's a story for another time. Oh, I mean, you can't leave us with that cliffhanger.
0: <laughs> like a, a hot dog seems like an unwise choice, but a lonely hot airport hot dog.
1: Yeah, um, what are the skin folds going on? That going to be like? I guess you could within within a couple hours of a game, he's still burning. He's still burning calories, so you could have the the carbs and the fat would be okay. Yeah, I think you probably need to get it all into your body as quickly as possible. Um, now I need to uh, get out of here. Yeah, so why don't we I have a to. look at uh, this week's games, and then uh, we can wrap it up. Michael, have you got the games there, please? Okay uh i did get a a message from somebody
0: charlie saying that he was glad we were back doing the podcast but he hoped that after the break we'd return to our more analytical style of podcasting and i hope this episode (laughs) has really made him happy (laughs) really like uh, really summed up the last round remember when i half talked about the bulldogs game anyway yada 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 some other things happened Anyway, next year, uh, next
1: round. But it, it when it's like by rounds, it sort of doesn't feel like real football. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. the real thing. Like everyone's taking holidays and shit. Like the Saints have been on holiday this week, so I haven't really gone to their website or anything. So everyone just chill. It's three weeks of us to be doing some half-assed football football discussion. Right. Uh, tonight, Richmond take on Sydney at Etihad Stadium. Oh, good game. And I'm not going to be here to see it. Fuck. Uh, um, I'll pick the Tigers. Yeah, I mean Sydney, are, like. Very good.
0: And they... I don't know. This is a hard game to pick. Why is Uh, it at Etihad? uh, Well, it's part of that weird deal that they have where every club has to play one. Anyway, Thursday night football, they're doing it under the roof. Um, Melbourne is, like, full of fog tonight. It actually would have been a pretty terrible night for footy, so it's probably going to be a great game there. But um, I would say, considering that it's at Etihad, I'm going to say Richmond. I'm just... But Lance, I mean, it might be... you might be Franklin... Playing on, um, rants, which would be amazing. Lance v. Rants. Oh, yeah, the, the, the Lance rants crash, the clash, crash. Sorry. <laughs> crash. Can't talk anymore.
1: <laughs> I apologize. I apologize for everything. If you're still listening at this point, I apologize. Tomorrow night at Eddie Head Stadium, the Bulldogs take on Geelong.
0: Um, well, I mean... he's uh, Geelong. I think Geelong. And I, I hope that the Bulldogs, um, a leading at three quarter time and lose valiantly by a kick or two. Uh,
1: I'm going to pick the Bulldogs in an upset. Saturday night, Carlton take on Port Adelaide at the MCG. I said today, I should say. Uh, oh boy, um, it's not going to be Carlton. <laughs> we know that.
0: <laughs> so, with the so, teams that are mm. remaining, <laughs> which of them do you believe that will win?
1: Yeah, no, I uh, It I, feels I mean, like Port are hitting their stride a bit, doesn't it? It does, which is I mean, a perfect we're, we're time for Port stride. to lose to Carlton. But yeah, um, Port, yeah, I reckon Port. Yeah. Uh, the Crows, the embattled Adelaide Crows take on the West Coast Eagles at Adelaide Oval after our favourite team this year. Their disastrous loss last week. Their inconceivable loss. Now flying over to Adelaide to take on the Crows. Yeah. Um, This is the kind of game where you feel like Tex Walker will puff out his chest. It's been a tough week for the Crows. A lot of shit going on. They've done that disastrous press conference they didn't need to do. I feel like if they're going to win, this is the kind of game... Is Tex Walker playing? I don't even know. But if they are going to win, this is the kind of game where Tex Walker puffs his chest out, kicks four and drags him over the line. But I feel like West Coast is just a better unit. I, yeah, it's hard to know how the Crows players will respond
0: to the mess of last weekend. You would hope that what their intention was, was we get it all out and we shake it out and we get on with, like, you know, getting on mm. with it and
1: things. Will Did be you better. just quote a Taylor Swiftly? <laughs>
0: <laughs> we shake it off. <laughs> haters are going to hate. That's what yeah. Don Pike said. The, he goes, Look, you know, we might have got to some things wrong, but haters going to hate. Yeah. As Taylor Swift I- said.
1: I would just love if at like halftime, they've just got some vision of Don Pike giving his address. They can't hear his words, but they just see him doing this, just doing the shake. I believe what he's telling the players to do there is shake it off. They start playing it before games.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Uh, Never tear us apart style. Uh, Geelong. uh, Sorry, Gold Coast. No, Gold Coast. Gold Coast taking on uh, Collingwood. Um, I think Adelaide are going to win, by the way. Uh, Gold Coast uh, taking on Collingwood at... uh,
1: Metric uh Metricon? Metricon. Yeah, it's gonna be Collingwood, right? GWS were good for I mean, Gold Coast were good for three quarters before the bye, but no Collingwood. Collingwood feel destined for top four as much as that makes me feel sick.
0: Yeah, look you know, Trelaw out is a big loss for them, but
1: I think I think they beat <laughs> Gold Coast. Yeah, you hope so. GWS take on Hawthorne at Spotless Jeez, we didn't even talk about Jeremy Canyon. Canyon. Canyon.
0: Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy Canyon. Cameron.
1: <laughs> His porn star brother, Jeremy
0: Canyon. <laughs> Poor Lucy Zelich, who's the, you know, the soccer commentator yeah. who's had uh, horrible trolling from fucking assholes for uh, pronouncing. This is literally what people are angry at her for, for pronouncing the names of the international players correctly. They're mad because yeah. she pronounces their names correctly. They were like going after online, like, you know, tearing her down, just being absolutely horrible because she makes the effort to pronounce the players' names correctly. And we just called Jeremy Cameron, Jeremy Canyon.
1: Yeah, not even a foreign name. The most right. Anglo of <laughs> names, and I couldn't even pronounce it. Not even challenging. Uh, should we quickly talk about that incident? Shit, man. Ugly. I don't know. I mean, I, I saw him in an interview straight after the game. Like, oh, you know, he seems remorseful, but it looked pretty intentional to me. <laughs> Split second, but yeah, it was intentional. Like He wanted to get, make contact. Yeah. But his arm, as soon as you raise that arm, Jesus Christ. I mean, if you'd given him another second or two, maybe you would have made a different decision. But in that moment,
0: he reacted like that. And you can, it's like one of those ones where you just go, like some people called it, you know, like with going after him like it was like Barry Hall or, you know, yeah. one of those sort of things. I don't think it was like that. I think it was well, like the, a split-second really bad call and he got punished back, appropriately for it.
1: Back in the day, that was de riga. Every week, Plugger or Dermy or someone was doing one of those. Like, we grew up in an era where that was fairly common. you get suspended for it. But it's just been a while since we've seen something like that. And it's clearly, this is just like a case of, oh, we got a shock because we haven't seen one in a while. But yeah, I agree. It's one of those things where they're competitive beasts. He threw himself into a contest. Whether he was trying to protect himself or hurt his opponent, I think it was the latter.
0: Yeah, no, definitely he was. But here's the thing about him is like, I think we get fooled sometimes because he looks a, a bit cleaner than he plays. Right? Mm. Like he moves in a way and just I think he presents in a way that you think he's a cleaner player than he is. But he's been reported like 10 times or 11 times. Like that's fucking heaps in this day and age. But the he's only been suspended a couple of times because he... And what that says to me is he plays his game on that edge of what's legal and not legal. And when you play your Mm. game on that edge of that, then occasionally you're just going to yeah, if you're Go constantly pushing it to the edge, occasionally you're going to get one wrong and do what he did. And you should get five weeks out of the game for it. And it's Harris Andrews. Harris Andrews? Is that his name? Um whatever. Yeah, I know. It's hard. It, it it sounds like whatever his name is, he sounds like a, a men's department store. That's what I think. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I hear his name, I'm like, where'd you get those pants? Harris Andrews. That's where they send the players at the start of the year. They're going to be like, you're going to need two pairs of Harris Andrews pants. <laughs> for formal functions <laughs> after the game. um, He's got like bleeding on the brain or whatever and a whole bunch of... It, and he was in all Australian form. So, you know, he had to be punished for it. Five weeks is a lot. And where GWS are at the moment, like the run that they've got, it'll mean the difference between them playing finals and not probably. And so it's a big
1: punishment. I reckon uh, Hawks will win this game.
0: Yeah, I reckon Hawks win it too.
1: Melbourne take on the Saints on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Melbourne, I uh, think, will win this game. First time I've tipped against the Saints this year, which means they will win. Uh, I watched Richo on AFL 360 on Monday night, and it's fair to yeah. say,
0: Charlie, that off uh, a win and uh, some time off, uh, he was finding a few things pleasing. Oh, really? <laughs> Um, I I think that yeah, Melbourne will win this. But you know, I'd like to see the Saints win it. You know, we'd all like to
1: see it. Yeah, we'd all like to see it. But Essendon take on North Melbourne at Etihad Stadium Sunday afternoon. Um, good game. Gee, Essendon are back, aren't they? Yeah, Essendon North. This will be a good game. Um, speed versus height. Ugh. Uh I don't really have a feel for Essendon. I've seen more North games. I only saw Essendon when they were shit at the start of the year. What do you think, Will?
0: This is a hard game to pick. I reckon Essendon are probably in slightly better form, but I just want North Melbourne to win, so I'm just going to say North Melbourne.
1: All right, I'll pick Essendon just to make it interesting. And the last game is Frio taking on the Brisbane Lions in Perth. Uh, Frio have to win that, don't they?
0: Yeah, Well, I mean, look, with my newfound appreciation of Nat <laughs> 5,
1: um, I'm going to say Freo as well. I'm going to get on board. All right. That brings us uh, to the end of the show. Do you have any stand-up comedy to promote?
0: Uh, I am doing my uh, show Will Eagle at the Sydney Opera House uh, October the 13th.
1: Um, so come and see that. That will be really good. Grand final will be out of the way. Finals will be out of the way. You'll have a free calendar on the weekend. You can come to Sydney and see some stand-up comedy. Yeah,
0: no, it'll be fun. It'll be – and like I'm in Sydney Opera House, it's a concert hall and, you know, Justin Hamilton's doing support. And, I, you know, it, it's been, it'll it's be a bit of a break from me doing the show as well because I've had some time off and whatever. So I'm just – I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be really great fun.
1: Will there be much footy talk?
0: <laughs> I, I can't – is there any footy talk in it at all? I don't think there is. But there isn't much in this podcast anymore either, Charlie, so <laughs> –
1: uh, you can go to our website, tofop.com. That's T-O-F-O-P.com to check out this and many other podcasts. If you want to support us, you can go to patreon.com forward slash tofop and donate any amount to make sure we can keep the lights on and pay our producers and everyone who else who contributes to the show. Uh, I'm getting the wind-up from my wife who is just yes. standing outside the room. Um, anything else? Uh, no, that'll do. Play on, not 15. Ball. Ball.
0: We are two guys, one car.